thank you for being excited about God's word. Acts chapter 16, from verse 16. It says, Now it happened as we went to pray that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of losing its power or that the church has become powerless I do not necessarily think that the, that the church has lost its power 
I think what we are seeing is a church that has probably forgotten the power that lies within her or a church that is too afraid to release the power within. The Holy Spirit will want me to speak to you today on this subject, which I have titled, Release the Power Within. Father, we pray this morning for open doors, open heavens. Let your word flow freely as our hearts open to receive what you have for us. Challenge us, stir us up, bring the king out from our inside. Let kings reign where cowards once did. Let your power revive our hearts. Cause us to stand on our feet again and open our mouths so that we may shout your name from the rooftops. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. And let God's people say, Amen. Even though you don't know what this is all about yet, or some of you who are very good preachers already know, look at your neighbor for me and tell him, Release that power. And I'm sure someone will like, huh, what are you talking about? Ladies and gentlemen, let me start by saying that just because it looks like a sheep, smells like a sheep, and sounds like a sheep, does not necessarily make it a sheep. Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15 to beware because men are going to come to us dressed as sheep that they're actually wolves he calls them wolves in sheep's clothing and you and i know that if wolves had decided to dress like sheep so that they can come into the midst of the sheep it is not for fellowship it is not for the purpose of being impacted by the sheep it is so that they will impact the sheep in a very negative way you hear me what i'm saying See, ladies and gentlemen, the greatest attacks of the enemy upon the individual believer and on the church in general has been through infiltration. In other words, the enemy sends people and circumstances into our lives, which at the beginning, they look so harmless and they even seem agreeable to our lifestyle. But as soon as we give them a foothold, they gain a stronghold. So that at the end of the day, we are professing one thing, but we are leaving out something else entirely different. Because when we give the devil the foothold, he gains a stronghold, and his intention is to begin to contradict everything desire, expectation, and standard of God in our lives. Many of you can, real, uh, can recall where things began to change for you was when someone, some, some situation or some circumstance encountered you and you were never the same again. You see, many of us today are professing one thing, living out another, and our testimony of God does not seem to reconcile with the circumstances and the situations around us. Even the church today, the Christian faith, have become one of an ambiguity. In other words, we are speaking one thing about God, but we are showing and demonstrating 
different things. I feel like the world looks around at us today and can't really tell what we are because it looks as if the lines that define our boundaries as the Christian or as the Christian faith have become so blurred because we have endorsed things into the faith that God did not set for us as standards at the beginning. We don't know what the church stands for today or what it does not stand for because we keep accommodating, tolerating, and endorsing standards that God did not set for us at the beginning, voting things into the standards of the Christian faith that we did not represent at the beginning. And yet we say, we profess one thing, we profess we call on the God of holiness, but what shows out of our lives rebels against the very thing that we seem to tell people we stand for. We need to be careful, ladies and gentlemen, how or who we allow to tag along with us in our journey of faith. Because whether you like it or not, people are going to judge you not by what you say, but by the circumstances that surround you. By the people that validate you. By the people that walk with you all the time. That's how they will judge you. There are too many things accompanying us today in our daily walk that should not be seen anywhere around us. There are undesirable circumstances that we have allowed to follow us for so long that we are now being identified by them. People can look at us and say the woman with the issue of blood. In other words, they have tagged and identified her by her situation. The blind beggar had tagged and identified him by his situation. Thank you very much. That's the word. They have labeled you by your circumstance. So you hear people say, oh, that church, that pastor that seemed to be always so broke that he's always asking his church for money. Because they are labeling you not by how well you can preach, but by the circumstances that surround you. Oh, that church where the choir director's son is always in and out of rehab, labeling you by your circumstances and your situations. Or that church where the deacon is in debt and is running from one place to the other, hiding because they are labeling you, ladies and gentlemen, by your circumstance. So you can preach and talk all you want about a God who can heal, a God who can bless your socks off. But if your circumstance don't reconcile with what you say about your God, it's going to become a conflict to the world that you are trying to represent. If the, if, if the holiness that you speak about your God does not reflect out of your life, if there is a rebellion, a conflict between what you say about your God and what shows in you, there's going to be a difficulty in reception. So ask, we ask the question, is the church being powerless? No, it is because we are beginning to send out conflicting messages to the world. We're telling them about one God that we can't see reflect out of our lives. In other words, people are saying, what's he talking about? Oh, is he not that, 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 that man of God whose son 
We know him in town. Now, sometimes they even go outside of our very person to judge us by those who are connected to us. That's why I said you better be careful who tags along with you. Because just because you are going and headed in the same direction does not mean that they are for you. Just because you are headed in the place of prayer and here she comes in the place of prayer going with you does not mean that she is with you. Just because she kind of validates you and says, I know she's a Christian does not necessarily mean that she is for you. That's why you've got to be careful who you tag along with, who you call your bosom friend. Because they're not going to judge you by what comes out of you. They're going to use the other person also to start judging you and receiving, as it were, your message. Because, ladies and gentlemen, we are allowing and tolerating and accommodating things in our lives that should not be anywhere seen around us. We are allowing circumstances to come and stay with us and follow us around simply because they look harmless. When they first started, when they came in the first time, something told you when that sister, holy looking, said she wanted to join the choir, that there's something funky about the sister. They said, well, she ain't harming anybody, so let her join anyways. You hear me what I'm saying, child of God? He comes and says, I want to be in your youth ministry. I, I can sing, I can preach. And you say, okay, I'm going to give you the stage but something tells you there's something funky about this person but he said well he looks like he knows the bible some the church permit me to say is too quick to embrace what you don't know is that as soon as you endorse somebody everything that comes out of that person is how they judge your standards your standards, no matter how well you leave it, they're going to pull from the person you have endorsed, that you have allowed, that you have accommodated and tolerated. And they're going to start judging you by it. He leaves well, but I, I don't know, really, because that other guy that is with him, I don't know. You know what I'm talking about? He seems to live a holy life, but I don't know. There are these things I see come out of his home. How can he be this and his home is like this? She sings a lot of praise here, but when I see her and her husband, I'm beginning to ask myself some questions. So you have to be careful, ladies and gentlemen. Because just because she's singing your praise does not mean she's acceptable in the beloved. Some things have followed us for too long. We try to write them off. Oh, it's, it's, just, it's just circumstantial. You see, it happens a lot in my family. My granddad had it. My dad had it. That's why you see it happen in our family. We excuse the wrong circumstances because it has been prevalent in our generation. So you think it's okay just because it has come down the line. Oh, don't you understand? The, the, the doctor told me that when I get to this certain age, 85% of people at this age, they catch this. So you understand what I'm saying? We have to just tolerate what is going on. You don't, don't you get it? I am now 40, and at 40, statistics tell us that we are not able to be as others are. So it is one of those things I have come to accept. We are getting weaker, not because the power in us is weak, but because we are beginning to 
allow the standards of the world to become the standards by which we judge ourselves. Oh, don't you know that the attention span of an average youth is only so long. So if you preach beyond that time, you lost them already. Standards of the world. Oh, they, they, it looks like the style looks very much like what we preach in church. So I'm going to pick a little out of that psychology textbook and I'm going to throw it at my congregation because it looks just like it. Standards of the world that we are endorsing. So we've got to be careful. Just because it is prevalent, it is statistically prevalent, does not mean it's accepted in the kingdom. Just because it is scientifically proven, now I'm not, I'm not totally throwing out science, but just because it is scientifically proven does not mean it's acceptable in the kingdom. Because tolerance is making us accommodate the things that we have no reason to have in our lives. Oh, my son, well, I don't pray for him all I can, so I'm leaving him to the devil to do what he wants to do. Do you know why they're called familiar spirits? Because they are very familiar. Because they blend in very well. Oh, yeah. I got this. Oh, yeah. You know, my church, so many people got it. We, don't, we had very few people in attendance today. He, 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 he. It will pass. It's the season. But Jesus said, in the beginning, it was not so. Verse 18 says, Paul greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. Let me tell you this, child of God, the extent to which the enemy is going to mess with you, with that thing that you have been dragging along, is determined on how long you are going to let him, period. The extent to which the devil will mess with your family is highly determined by how long you are going to let him. There's got to come a time when believers should get up on their feet and begin to confront these things and say, look, it might have happened to me, but that don't mean my son's going to have to experience it. It might have happened to my grandfather, but that don't mean that it's going to happen to me. I'm accepting it anymore. I know it, they might say that 75% of youth today are struggling with pornography, but that don't have to be me. Just because it is statistically prevalent does not mean God says, well, I'm going to excuse this generation. You know, the generation we are in today, they are more exposed and visually assaulted than the generation of Noah. So I'm going to give them some slack. God's not going to do that. The Bible says, nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure. And let every man that names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Sometimes it becomes important that we turn around and begin to get upset in our spirit about occurrences that are happening to us again and again and begin to face it eye to eye and begin to address it and say, hey, I don't want to take this anymore. But you see, what is wrong with us is that many times we think that 
if we ignore the situation of the circumstance, that it will exhaust itself and leave. Yeah? The reason some of us are reluctant to attend to it is because we feel like if we be quiet for a while, ignore it, just pretend it's not there, it's going to go. But it ain't going nowhere. Sometimes we think that, oh, well, God is going to take this away sometime. But I'm here to bust some bubbles. Child of God, he says, behold, I give to you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. In other words, he's saying, I have left this job to you. So when Paul was walking with that woman who have already been identified prior to this time as having the spirit of the python, of the serpent, of the liar from the beginning of time, he knew this because when the scripture was written, he said a certain girl followed us which had the spirit of divination. In other words, she had been clearly identified. So why are we loving on her? Because ladies and gentlemen, you don't love on demons. But Paul was allowing her. Why? Because she had the word of God. These are the men of God who shows us the way of salvation. Well, you know, I, I don't know that. I know there's something funny. But you see, every time he opens his mouth, it's the word of God that comes out. So I don't know. Maybe we just let it go because someday he might receive salvation. No. It needs to be addressed. You see, the church more than any time in history are afraid of confrontation. We are sacrificing our rights at the altar of peace, of wrong peace, because we don't want to confront the devil. And the Bible says, Paul let her do this for several days. But hear me, child of God, when it began to occur to Paul that Jesus was not going to come back from heaven and cast out that demon, when he realized that as long as this woman is validating me, I am accepting her and everything about her as correct, then I think I got to do something. The Bible says he got upset in his spirit and he looked at the girl that looked beyond her. He's saw the devil that was working in her child of God it's about time you look at that bump on your right shoulder and you begin to realize that beyond that bump beyond what the doctor said there is a devil somewhere that is trying to make some things remain in your life because you accept it and Paul looked at the lady and looked beyond her and says I want to address you python the spirit that is in this girl I can take it from you anymore And God said, now you're talking. Because we are hoping that one day Jesus will look down from heaven and say, cast that girl out. He's not going to tell you because he has left that in your hands. That's why he gave you the Holy Spirit. Church, that's why you have the Holy Spirit. If medicine has failed, if counseling has failed, then it's about time we turn back to the altar because I know a God that will not fail me. If I come to him and I call on his name, I know that he's going to hear me because he said call upon me in the days of trouble and I will show you great and mighty things that you have not seen. Is someone 
listening, getting anything out of this. Is something coming to your mind that you have kept in your house, in your family, in your generation, in your lifestyle for too long that you're allowing psychologists to try to counsel you about? It's about time you say, all right, you've done your best. Let me take it to the next level. Uh, let me escalate this to the next level. Uh, I want to talk to God about it. I want to face my mountain. Uh, I don't want to talk to anyone else about the mountain. I want to talk to the mountain myself. Forgive me to say this, but Facebook has become where we publish all our idiosyncrasies. Where we publish all the things wrong with us. Y'all better be praying for me. I'm going through stuff. I'm not saying it's wrong to ask the brethren to pray. But hear me. There are some prayers that you can't even tell them what to pray about. A friend of mine, a sister here. I don't know if she's here today. I ain't heard her voice yet. She told me one time, she said, Pastor Andrew, I'm going through a lot. Please pray for me. And, so, and I said, can I know what it says? I didn't know if the sentence. And she jumped on me and said, I said, just pray. Because some things are hurting us so bad, we can't even tell anyone about it. The things that are tagging along some of you are not as visible as the lady that stood by the side of Paul. Only you know it. Only you know it. When you come to church, you cry about it. You feel like maybe today he's gone. But no, it's not gone because you go back home. And two days later, you are encountering it again. It's happening again. You think it's gone, but in about one week, it comes back again. You say, but my doctor told me he has increased the pills. But it's still not working. Child of God, it's about time to take it to the next level. It's to confront that spirit. We've got to come to a time when we become restless in our spirit. Like Jacob, like uh, um, Isaac said to Esau, he says the time will come, Genesis chapter 27 and 40, when you become restless, that you will break his yoke from off your neck. Can I say, child of God, that some of the things you are going through have not left because you are still accepting it. You haven't gotten tired of it yet. There are some burdens and some yokes that will not go until you release the anointing of God. Some burdens and yoke will not bow to medicine. Some burdens and yoke will not bow to counseling until you release the anointing of God because the Bible tells me Isaiah chapter 10 verse 27 that it shall come to pass in those days that the burden shall be lifted up from your shoulder and the yoke from your neck and the yoke shall be broken because of the anointing that's what we need People who want to get to the place of the anointing to break yokes and begin to see it for what it is that this indeed is a yoke I'm talking about the day when we yield to the Holy Spirit and become so vexed. When we no longer want to take it and say, well, it's for the sake of peace. Because child of God, ask Jesus, there are some things you are going through that even your best friends cannot pray for you enough. There are some things that your friends will sleep off on you. They will promise you that they will pray for you. But they're going to sleep off on you at the time you need them best. Jesus saw that in his disciples. And it's not because they don't want to pray for you. It's not because they don't love you, child of God. It is simply because the burden is yours alone. 
So you have to distance yourself from them a little. You have to take a few steps away from your friend. Go on your knees and begin to call on your God of heaven and talk to him alone. Sometimes even the best of friends, the best they can do for you in your situation is to help you get used to the problem, to tolerate it. There are some Elkanas in our lives, husbands who will say to us, am I not better to you than ten sons? Because when Anna was desperate for a child and she began to cry to her husband, the husband said, come on, take it easy. We can no longer get children. So begin to see me as ten sons. I am worth more to you. Sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, in the best interest, in the best heart of our friends, the best they can do for you is to help you tolerate that issue. They tell you, we may not be able to overcome this, so just, I'm here for you. We've got to be like Anna sometimes and go to the altar by ourselves. So that when everyone else have left the prayer room, when everyone is hugging themselves, you say, my situation is not over yet. So I'm going to stay on this altar. And child of God, you don't necessarily have to be shouting on top of your voice. But something about the way your desperation is going out to God is going to make God pour out something that even those around you will know there is something going on in this place. Because power is released when we go into the place of prayer and begin to call upon the God of heaven. So when Paul was able to look at the demon and confronted the demon, the Bible tells us that it left them alone. Somebody say alone. And it's good to hear that, that when we pray, we can become relieved of whatever is attacking us. But can I tell you some truth that you may not want to hear today? Many preachers preach a good message and they don't want to spoil it with some sad story. Because I realize that even after the devil has left us alone, when we have conquered, it's only the beginning because we still have some more to conquer. How many of you realize that? Oh yeah, I've been praying for a child and a breakthrough. I got a baby. But right now I've got to stop praying for something different because... Yes, here it is, child of God. He leads us in continuous victory. That's what the Bible says. Not just one victory. Continuous victory, triumphant procession is what the Bible calls it. So the Bible tells us that after they had cast out the demon out of this girl and freed her so that she could walk away freely, the devil did not take it. He says, I need to step back up. And he came and they arrested Paul and Silas and took them to prison. You know the story very well because these guys were locked up. But you know what, child of God? The things we go through is not what tells us if, we are being, if we've been defeated. It is how we deal with those situations that makes us the victors. Because Paul and Silas, being in that jail... Some of us will go into the period of self-pity. You see why I don't like speaking in tongues? You see why I told you, Paul, that I don't want to go through this thing that you do? See what it's brought us now. Where is God? He's not even saying anything. He was there when they were beating us, took off our shirts, and gave us cerebral stripes. And here we are. This is why I just want to stay at the back and just get the sermon, and just take my notes, and just bless the Lord. I don't want to be in any of this. Am I talking to some church members today? 
Because your victory from yesterday led you into another calamity today. You were throwing in the towel and saying, no, 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 this is, I, I, I can't do this. But the Bible told us that at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. There is something very significant about the midnight hour. You see, ordinarily, your midnight is what signifies a transition from one day to another. Your Monday becomes Tuesday. Your Tuesday becomes Wednesday. Your Wednesday becomes Thursday, and so on and so forth. But beyond that, your midnight is a period of despair and despondency for those who are expecting something. Because your midnight is telling you that another day has gone by and you have failed. Your midnight is saying that the doors are beginning to shut up. It's that signal that says, time's up. It's as if the doors are closing, the, the lights are going off, and the sign is flipping from we are open to we are closed. In other words, I have concluded the day and I have been judged as a failure because all my dreams and expectations did not come to pass. So the door is shutting down on me. The day is closing out on me as a failure, as one who have not been able to come out of that which I have been in and praying and believing for. But can I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that with God, the, the midnight is only the beginning. It's the hour when God actually steps in and takes over the futilities of man and begins to transform it into a glorious victory. The Bible tells me that it was at midnight that God decided to prove finally to Pharaoh that he was the God of all flesh and he began to slay every firstborn of the Egyptians. It was at midnight that Boaz turned around in his bed and saw Ruth and then they became the great 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 grandparents of the Lord Jesus. It was at midnight that the ten virgins heard that the Lord was coming that they had been waiting for. So your midnight is the time of announcement that something is happening. It was concerning midnight that the songwriter wrote and said late in the midnight hour God's going to turn it around and he's going to work in your favor. The psalm is also said in Psalm 119 verse 62. It says at midnight I will rise and give thanks to you because of your righteous judgments. Paul and Silas decided that rather than beginning to wallow in self-pity that God has brought us this way because of all we have done, they decided that the midnight hour for them was going to be a time to pray and to worship him. And as they released their voice in worship and as they began to pray in the spirit, the Bible tells me, and this is significant, that the people around them heard them in the prison, which means that when you begin to cry out, when you release the prayers there are people by your side who are listening and for a purpose and guess who else was listening child of God heaven was listening and heaven was taking interest because these men decided they are not going to shut up just because it was the midnight hour they knew the significance of midnight was the time that God shows up and man gives up so they began to pray and to sing and the Bible tells me that the God heard from heaven and 
released his power upon the place. And you and I know when the presence of God comes upon a place that the foundations of that place can take it. No wonder the place began to shake because the presence of God has been released into the atmosphere. Because God has been released into that place and it began to shake. And what had held their hands bound began to break of its own accord. The place shook so much that all the doors busted open. Child of God, when you pray, you cause heaven to come down to earth. And earth can't contain heaven. So there's got to be a shaking. There's going to be a tearing apart. Ask me why the church is not seeing power today. It's because we don't pray like the men of old prayed. It's because we don't sing and worship him again in our midnight hour. Do you hear me what I'm saying, child of God? They refuse to back down. But they continue to pray and to worship. Do you know the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 4 verse 31 that when the men of God prayed back in the day, the place where they stood was shaken. Anytime people pray, there is always a revival. The revival we are praying to see will happen when every one of us come together and begin to lift up our voice in prayer. How many of us want to get into the place of prayer? There is a very interesting story in Acts chapter 12 that I want to share with you. The Bible told us that this persecution began on the, for the disciples. And Herod grabbed James and killed him. And the Bible says it pleased the Jews. It was a political thing. And the Jews were happy and Herod said, I'm going to do it yet again. Let me tell you something. And this is for the church in general, not just Daystar. When the devil does something and you let him get away with it, he's going to want to do it again. And he said, the Jews love it. Oh, then there's this show coming up. My ratings are going to go up. So he grabbed Peter and said, I'm going to do it to Peter. Kill him too, but let's leave him until after a while. But the Bible tells me that the church realized this is going to repeat itself if we don't see, things will continually happen negatively to the church of God if we don't pray to stop it. And the Bible tells me they prayed. And you and I know the story very well. Because of their prayer, the angel of God came, busted open the doors again. Because child of God, when men pray, doors just open of their own accord to let you out. So we need to come to the place where we want to stop praying and releasing the power of the Holy Spirit. And hear me, child of God, and this is a very interesting part. The Bible tells me that while they prayed and sang and the place broke, that the jailer had to come in when he saw all the doors open. And he looked at the great power of God that took place there. And he said, man, what can I do? To be saved. They said to him, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And guess what? The entire household was saved. Do you realize what's going on here? The jail was not for Paul and Silas. God did not let them go to jail just because they wanted to suffer. It was for someone else who needed to receive the gospel. 
You see, when you go through your valley of the shadow and you think, why is God leading me in this direction? This is not where I would like to be at this time in my life. That is because God trusts the power that he has put in you. That when you walk through the valley of the shadow, where the dry bones are, you are going to be the one who would release the power to the dry bones to arise. So your walk through the valley was not for you. It was for the dry bones. The detour that God is taking you through is not because of you. It's because of others who need to hear. And here you release the power of God so that life will come upon dry bones. So that bones will be joined together. So that an army will rise again in the name of the Lord. Child of God, it's about time for us to realize that every situation that God is taking us through is because he wants to bring something to the lives of others who hear us. The church needs to come to the place of prayer where we want to take our lives into God's hands and we want to confront it by ourselves and say, God, I can't take this again. I'm tired of it. I want to let you take over. And I want to ask the church right now, how many of you feel like you are tired of where you have been, of what you are going through? It's about time for us to turn around and look at it and say, it's time for me to confront spirits with spirit. That's why the Holy Spirit is given to me. I need to start confronting spirits with spirits. I'm tired of the devil messing with my family. I'm tired of the devil messing with my finances. I'm tired of the devil messing with my church. I'm tired of the devil messing with the church of God in general, period. And he's waiting on my voice. He's waiting on your voice. He's waiting on the people of God to come together in the place of prayer and begin to pray so that the the power of God will be released. The power of God is always here. But it needs you to release it from the inside of you. Because in every one of you I see here, I see great power of God in you. That it needs that access to come out from your mouth. To look at your mountains and begin to speak to it and begin to declare in the name of Jesus. I'm going to ask the church of God to rise up this morning. Wherever you are. And this is not going to be an altar call where I want to ask you to give your life to Christ to do anything. This is just speaking to you where you are to say, I need to start releasing what's in me. I'm tired of being quiet. I need to shake it out of me. I need to call upon it. I received the boldness of God in my spirit this morning. Can I hear the church of God just lift up their voice, except you are one of those who have reached the top of your mountain and you say, I have totally overcome. But if you are not, this is a revelation for you, a confirmation to some others that it's about time you turn around in the right direction and confront what needs to be confronted. Thank you, Jesus.
not just about you. Thank you. Blessed be your name, Jesus. Jesus, we thank you. Can we all just lift up our hands in this place? And say, Lord, I release your power that is on my inside. Lord, I believe I am in the place I am today because I need to release your power into my surroundings. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray for everyone in this place today. I decree and declare that your light and your fire will burn out of them until their surroundings will burn away the shaft that did not need to be around them and attract to them the things that need the power in the name of Jesus in our workplaces Lord let your power be released in our neighborhoods let your power be released in the church let your power be released as we hold hands with another brother let your power be released in the name 